Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey everybody, welcome back to a special episode of GDIY. Sitting here with me is Adam, and we thought it would be a good idea to just do a real quick bonus episode with Adam stepping in as the new co-host of GDIY. We thought maybe it would be a good idea to kind of catch him up with you listeners and uh, get his take and experience so far with gun dogs. Yeah, so you guys will get to hear what a, what a sap I am. <laughs> well... <laughs> Honestly, I mean, the feedback that we get from everybody on this stuff, it's that they enjoy this because we are DIY guys. We're not pretending to be professional trainers or anything. And everybody has been at the starting point before with not a clue what to do, not even know how to go about getting the right dog for them. Yeah. And you're going to hear a little bit of all of that with Adam here. You know, he, he was just like everybody else, didn't know anything. <laughs> the story of his first dog and getting into the second dog getting involved in navda and all that fun stuff so i mean he's he kind of takes us through the progression of you know not knowing anything to still not knowing anything but just a little bit more yeah we went back and and listened to it just to check it for sound quality and stuff like that and and we we're in the truck listening to it and me and nick <laughs> were just dying laughing at my expense uh, because some of the stuff, when I heard myself talking about it, I thought, what on earth was I thinking? But I want to share those things with everybody because we learn from failure. Uh, so it's it's not fun to share my failures, but at least we can <laughs> we can laugh about it. And, and hopefully everyone learns well, from my mistakes. That's just it, learning. That there's so many people out there that they don't really show the truth. Everybody only shows the positive and the great limit tailgate pictures and the successful dog titles they don't show the training mishaps they don't show the mistakes made getting getting to that point and that's kind of what we're here for you know you guys can laugh at our expense at sometimes but uh it, we're trying to produce an honest reflection of this world and especially starting out and learning and 
yeah, so we just wanted to give everybody a quick uh, insight to Adam, get to know him a little bit more, and uh, we'll be back to next week with a regular episode. Yeah, and at some point we're going to do an episode about you and let everyone get to know you a little bit better. Maybe. We'll see how this one <laughs> I'll goes. Talk you I'm, into it. I, I like to be the little mystery man behind the scenes here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, hope you guys enjoy. You guys have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Hey everybody, welcome back to GIY. I'm sitting here with Adam Williams. Thought it'd be good to get him on and just give his whole story and find out who really is Adam Williams. <laughs> well, like you said, I'm just a regular guy. I think it's going to come out with the story that I'm in the military. I'm active in the military and that's what's moved me around. So later on when we talk about where I've been and where I've moved to, it's going to be obvious. So I'll just get it out now that I'm in the military. Yeah. Well... So tell everybody where are you from and and how you got here to the Mecca of bird hunting, Middle yeah. Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, it's the Mecca, let me tell you. Um <laughs> grew up in West Virginia. Uh just had to move once as a as a kid there, but mostly grew up deer hunting. Never did any bird hunting other than trying to hunt some turkeys. But uh ended up stationed in North Carolina and the the woods there where I was stationed was everything was a lot more thick than what I was used to in West Virginia. So I really had no desire to deer hunt down there. So I thought I'm going to start bird hunting. And the idea of duck hunting was always appealing to me. So I started duck hunting and I fell in love with it. I mean, guys will tell you, you could be an avid, avid uh, bow hunter, but the first time you go duck hunting, you'll be done yep. bow hunting. And yep. that's, that's kind of what happened with me. So I got hooked on duck hunting and then the thought of having a dog was always there. Um, really once I got into bird hunting. Yeah, exactly. So you got into duck hunting and you decided you wanted a dog. How did you end up wanting a versatile dog? Well, I got to give credit to my wife. Uh, shout out. <laughs> yep. A little shout out to Jackie. Uh, growing up, I had a Labrador retriever and I had a good time training that dog to do the basic stuff, yeah. sit, stay, heal. Um, and then we, we decided that every good family needs a dog. So then it was, well, what kind of dog are we going to get? Mm-hmm. And I actually like the look of Vishlas. And what's great is <laughs> you don't know some of this stuff. No, so, I haven't heard so this part. As we, yeah, as we go through it, you're going you're gonna to look across at me and be like, what? You want a Vishla? <laughs> a red dog, but, huh? Like I said, I, I'm going to share some of my mistakes. <laughs> we're here We're here to dive deep into Adam Williams. Let's go. So Vishla lover, all right. I, I knew I wanted uh, a versatile dog. And I thought, well, Vishla's... From what I've Googled, well, you know, they're versatile dogs. And they yeah, are. Yeah. To give them credit, they're versatile. They are. Um, and then my wife said, well, what about German shorthairs? I'm like, well, they look about the same as a Vichla, just a little bit different color. They must be the same dog. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, and I've, they're, they're very much different dogs. They, they do have some similarities, but they're very different too. So. Uh, we ended up getting a, a German short hair. I was like, yeah, let's 
Sure, that sounds good. Let's get a German short hair. <laughs> so did you just pick the first one out of the newspaper Craigslist oh, or something? So again, Jackie had one picked out from I don't even remember the breeder that she had found and it was like a thousand dollars. Okay. And I had found one for like four hundred dollars. <laughs> so I'm like That's well economical, right? Absolutely. Yeah. A dog's a dog. Let's go with this four hundred dollar one. She said, Yeah, but this kennel sends you a, a blanket that's been snuggling with the rest of the litter and a bag of food. And I'm like, okay, that's worth 20 bucks. So let's go with the, let's go with the $400 one over here. So we can laugh about it now. Cause we know that yep. that's probably a sign of, uh, the cost of the dog up front is the cheapest, like part of owning the oh, dog absolutely. in the long run. Yeah. And then with that dog, I immediately took it to the vet and paid for some sort of, medication to get the worms out of it and all that stuff so <laughs> so i think i was close it came was, home with mange and worms <laughs> and mites i was right back to the thousand pretty quick i think after vet bills so mm. lesson learned there but um you know i got the first dog from a hunting preserve which i thought was a good sign well and it could be it could be yeah. a good sign but um there were some red flags when we pulled up to this place you know, there was a large number of dogs. Red flags to you at the time or red flags to you now? Oh, they were even red flags at the time. <laughs> you just went through. But at that point, I was there. I was going to surprise the kids with a family dog. Okay. We hadn't made a deposit, but I had made a verbal commitment to this guy that I was coming to pick up a dog. So I showed up at, say, 2 o'clock. Yeah. And I'm like, where is this guy? Nowhere to be seen. So I call him. He's like, yeah, I'm I'm running late. Just go down and... <laughs> And let the... Just grab your dog. He said, just go let the dogs out, let the litter out of this shed or whatever. So I went and let these dogs out, and the guy showed up 15 minutes later, and he's like, no, that's the wrong litter, but that's all right. <laughs> they, they needed to get out anyways. <laughs> he's like, those are only four weeks old. This is your litter over here. And I thought, man, this guy's got... A lot of customers, he's got to breed dogs all the time. He must; These must be good dogs. Yep. Probably not the right thing to think. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> is there more to the story? Or? Yeah, I keep going. So, <laughs> all right. So, so we let the correct litter out and uh, played around with the dogs a little bit. And my daughter, Anna Claire, went over and found the most sickly looking puppy. <laughs> the runt. And she's like, this is the one. So how, how can you say no? He goes, oh, yeah. I call that one Lucky. <laughs> I said, why do you call him Lucky? Well, he got out uh, in a storm a few nights ago and was just about dead, but I nursed him back to health. <laughs> so I'm thinking, man, he must be a strong pup, you know, if he made it through a storm in the middle of the night as a six-week-old pup or eight I think it was eight weeks uh, at that point, because we took him home that day, so... Um, again, a red flag that you're not taking good enough care of your, you got your little girl with her eyes as big. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't say no now. Now I would, I would, I would say no. And here's why, but, um, anyways, so that's what we settled on. (laughs) And then, and then the price point. So it was 400, right? So I pull out 400 bucks and he goes, Oh no, no, this, this register, this, uh, this litter is AKC registered. This litter is 600. <laughs> I said, 
man, I, we said 400 on the phone. What's going on? He goes, no, that's a different litter, but I've already sold all of those. This litter's 600. So he stiffed me for another 200 bucks and I paid for it. <laughs> I told you I'd share my mistakes. <laughs> hey, it's all something you can learn from. So you get the dog, uh, describe, describe the first dog. It, it, what, what did, uh, he, he you got him dog. home. What did you go from? What did you start at? Well, were you even involved in NAPTA at this point? Not at all. Okay. I didn't get involved with NAPTA until my second dog. And uh, we got him home. I had the idea that he was just going to be a duck dog. And I wasn't going to do any upland with him. Okay. And I got him home, put him in the laundry room that night, put up a baby gate, and said, this is where the dog's going to sleep. This dog has no place in the, in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And after whimpering for about an hour. Gave in. Yeah. Oh yeah. I gave in (laughs) and I had this big list of rules, like no dog on the furniture. You know, the dog doesn't even go to this part of the house. And I think Jackie has a picture of me two weeks later on the couch, sleeping on the couch with the dog laying on top of me. (laughs) You know, she probably posted it all over Facebook. And what'd you name this dog? Gus. Gus. How'd you come up with Gus? Uh, the kids just kind of came up with it. I think. Yeah. So uh no significant you know name there we just right. they just came up with it but um yeah he, he was a good dog he was a really good looking dog too like really pretty markings um he was a great dog he wasn't he was pretty wild though like he had one speed you you let him out and you better have a collar on him so he you was can get that, him back he was that short hair yeah he's he's crazy but we loved him. He's a good yeah. dog. So what do you do? You, you're at the house. Are you doing any obedience training at all besides napping on the couch with him? Or what are you doing? No, we, we we taught him to sit and stay and and to heal. Um, I I tried to uh, I watched some YouTube videos and of course and found out how to do force fetch. So I threw him up on my tailgate when he was about six months old and oh, started wow. pinching his ear and trying to get a bumper in his mouth and. And and all the videos and things you read are like, don't give up. And I'm thinking. <laughs> so you're just powering through. <laughs> man, like at what point is this dog going to grab this bumper? <laughs> and um, and then I found out a few years later that, that you can add in a few steps before that so the dog actually knows what you want. Um, so I tried that and then, and then the dog wouldn't even get into my truck. I'd tell him to load up and, and he, he, <laughs> he would not get on the, the tailgate. Now. Yeah. So I had to, I had to retrain that, but so I learned some good lessons with this dog. <laughs> so, all right. So I'm know, glad you're getting a good laugh oh, out of me. Is, this is all, <laughs> Hey, we all have, when we started out, everybody, and th- I think this is what we, you know, yeah. The feedback I've gotten from this podcast is everybody loves this type of stuff because right. everybody's been there. They don't know what the right. heck they're doing. <laughs> they're watching YouTube videos, reading all these books. Yep. All the books contradict each other. But okay, so you y- you're doing your best sh- shot at training. When did you decide that okay, I'm taking this dog to a trainer? Well, uh I guess uh one thing in between that is I I had I had decided that that I was just going to duck hunt with this dog. I didn't have any desire to do upland stuff and I, one of my buddies said, "Man, that's what this dog was bred to do. Yeah. He had, uh, pointers. He had English pointers, uh, 
previously and he said that this dog is was bred to do upland stuff i'm sure it would be okay at duck hunting too but you need to do some upland stuff so i thought all right so moving from north carolina to virginia i'm trying to figure out what we're going to do with the dog while we're moving which is not a real concern now like when we moved to tennessee this time we just brought mitchell right along with us we didn't need to think about where he was going he's just part of the family pretty much but with the first move I thought I want the dog out of the way while I'm trying to set up my new house and all that so I started calling that's what really prompted the professional trainer thing so I ended up calling around talking to different people and uh found a trainer in in West Virginia that breeds short hairs your short hairs which (laughs) is where everything kind of comes full circle world yeah so well, skip ahead and tell them, <laughs> tell them about that. Well, yeah, I mean, just when Adam came down here and we met up just because I run the correspondence for the NAVNA chapter, everybody knows that down here in Tennessee, and uh, he hit us up and was like, hey, I just moved into the area, blah, blah, blah. So we met up, and uh, I get Rachel out of the truck, and he's just like, I know that dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and turns out – he had been up to the same kennel tra- uh, dropping Gus off when Rachel was first born. Yep. And uh, so he knew Rachel as a puppy when he was dropping his first dog off with the same breeder uh, for the training. And yeah, so I think, just small world. I think they were pretty close in age. And uh, Gus ended up staying in a kennel like right next to your dog while he was up there for a month. So. I ended up dropping Gus for a month while we transitioned from North Carolina to Virginia. And, uh, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about, uh, about the, the training he received. Knowing what I know now, I'm kind of like, all right, there's, there wasn't anything spectacular that happened. Yeah. Uh, he brought out some of the natural instincts in the dog and at the time i didn't know how to do that stuff so looking back now i can go yeah that's not that much but if you don't know what you're doing yeah yeah, if you don't know what you're doing it's totally worth it yeah you go show up and you're like oh man you did wonders with my dog right now it's just like oh you just exposed my dog right and uh yeah yeah, I mean, i don't know if we even mentioned it It, this was more ohio kennels Uh, i think he's kind of out of the game as far as training and, and yeah. stuff like that. But, uh, it real great, breeder, great yeah. trainer and all, and all that fun stuff, but definitely yeah. knows what he's doing. I yeah. Mean, he's, he's top notch. He's, yeah. he's good at what he does. Absolutely. But, uh, so you dropped him off at Jeremiah's, you got him back and you're okay. I got a dog that hunts. What right. are you doing? Yeah. So then it was, um, getting out and trying to find some birds, trying to find wild birds, which I didn't do any good. I think I might've ended up killing a couple wild birds over that dog, but grouse or quail uh, or woodcock. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I would just go to preserves just so I could get, get the dog on some birds. Um, I, I had no resources for getting pen raised birds. I didn't have a place to go train. So I would go to preserves buy birds and I would go to preserve and say, Hey, where'd you plant the birds? And they, <laughs> and they'd kind of look at me like, well, why do you want to know? And I said, I'm, I'm trying to train my dog. <laughs> um, and so there was some, 
you know, there were some funny moments where someone would look at you and be like, well, I'll tell you where, where they're all at if you yeah. want to know. Yeah. Yeah, I do want to know because I'm trying to <laughs> trying to figure out my dog. I'm trying to know when he's when he's on bird scent and stuff like that. Yep. Okay, so you do preserves, some wild bird hunts here and there. I know uh, Gus started having health issues. Yeah. What what happened with that? Yeah, and I don't know if it was. I know we kind of made made light of the the guy that I got Gus from. I don't know if it was anything genetic or if it was putting him on a, a grain-free diet. I know there's been some stuff related to uh to heart issues in dogs with grain-free diets. So So he was on a grain-free diet. Yeah, so we had switched him to a grain-free diet. The the vet that we were going to at the time said you should you should think about switching him to a grain-free diet. So of course we did that and then um I don't know if it's related or not, but he ended up having an enlarged heart. Um, he just, he wouldn't eat for, it was like a week that went by that he wouldn't eat. And something I learned from Jeremiah, you know, is put the food out. If they don't eat, pick it up and you, you condition yep. the dog that when you put the food out, it's time to you eat. eat. Yeah. And then that, that tells you if there's something wrong, if they don't eat, there's something wrong. So, so I don't, I didn't let him graze. I don't let Mitchell graze, uh, when the food goes out they eat and then, and that's it. So. Um, he hadn't eaten for like a week. I mean, he would eat a little bit and then that was it. So, so then I would like skip a meal. I thought, all right, if I skip dinner, he's definitely going to eat tomorrow morning. Yeah. And he'd go at it for like halfway through the meal and then that was it. And then I thought, I mean, I, I don't feed him anything except dog food. I thought, well, let me mix a little rice or something in here and see if, see if he's got an upset stomach or let me mix some canned pumpkin in or something like that. And and see if that helps and it didn't do much so uh, after about a week we took him to the vet and they did x-rays and the vet was like I've seen enlarged hearts before but I've never seen one this big and he showed us the x-rays and it took up like it took up most of his chest cavity I mean it was Mm. it was huge and a lot of it was fluid so he said basically this dog's not going to live more than six months. Uh, you can, and at the time he was like three, I think. Uh, he said, you can, you can come in once a month, drain the fluid. We'll put him on some sort of medication. It would have cost, I think a thousand dollars a month. And I hate to say that there's a price tag put on it. Or maybe it wasn't even a thousand, maybe it was like 300 bucks a month. Uh, either way, there was a price tag associated to coming in once a month, draining the fluid, and he might live six months. So we went home and and kind of came to the conclusion that that we needed to put him to sleep. Um, but I I didn't want to face reality on like when that was going to be. And then within forty eight hours, he was starting to like walk to the corner of the room, put his head in the corner. Mm. And then we we started researching, like, why do dogs put their head in the corner? Well, it means they're ready to die. And I was like, all right, oh, well, God. this is this is happening sooner rather than later. So uh, I guess it was like two days later, he he couldn't get comfortable. He's just walking around. It's time to go to, go to bed. We're all going to bed, and he's walking around the house, you know, he'd lay down for a couple seconds and get up. So I said, all right, I'm going to, 
I'm going to stay on the couch with the dog tonight and just like, let him sleep on the couch. I'm going to crash on the couch, try to get him comfortable. And, uh, he just could not get comfortable. So I, I had to like hold him up. Um, and it was keeping the fluid off his lungs to where he could breathe. So I'd hold him up. We'd both sleep for about five minutes. He'd fidget and then he'd, he'd go back to sleep, you know, um, just restless on. Yeah. So the next morning I woke up and I said, all right, that's, you know, that night was pretty horrible. Um, we're kind of looking at each other right now, like, all right, don't look at each other because this is a sad <laughs> moment, you know. Um, Joe's, Joe's got Joe's his head not down. in the corner crying right now. <laughs> yeah. or anything. So that was that was really tough, but um, like I I kind of needed that night to know bring that it, it on. It home. was time. Yep, it was time to go take him in and and get it done. So I called uh, called that vet that morning. I called him back and I said, "You got to get me in today." And they said, yeah, we, we can't get you in. So I, I called another vet and I said, you got to get me in today. And then the other one called back and said, you know, I expressed to him everything that had taken place the night yeah. that, that I had just shared with my dog and that I wasn't going to do it for another night. Um, so they got, they, they called back and said, we'll get you in and, uh, took him in the next day and did what we all dread doing, especially yeah. with a three-year-old dog. Uh, it's not something you expect. So, um, yeah. Well, and my kids were like, dad cries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, good Lord. All right. So <laughs> let's, uh, bringing it down. <laughs> yeah. So pick it back up. So yeah. how, how long did it take for you to kind of get over that and, and decide, okay, let's do this again. Let's start yeah. looking for another dog and you know what did you do different yeah so we had already we had already made up our mind that we wanted another dog so we had already been looking at kennels and i was convinced that spending a thousand dollars instead of four or six hundred was a good thing so we had been looking at kennels and not not looking at uh price so much but just looking at uh quality at quality and um so we had already been on the hunt for a dog. Um, I think it was the day after I put Gus to sleep. I went into my office uh, to a place, the place I was working. It's called Mitchell Hall. It's named after a, a Medal of Honor recipient, Frank Mitchell, who received the Medal of Honor in, in Korea. And uh, I had a, a beer mug on my desk, and it had a, a German short hair etched into it, and it just had the initials of a guy that left it for me that I worked with. Mm. He just, nothing else, no note or All anything. Right. Just here you go. Uh, so it was, and I, I walked in, I was like, Hey, thanks. You know, it means a bunch. He's like, yeah, man, no problem. And, and we kind of like didn't make eye contact. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, he just, he gave me that and we moved on. And then, so we were on the hunt for, for a new, um, for a new dog anyways, a second dog. So we just kind of sped up our, our search a little bit. Yeah. And I started looking around, man, I don't know how many different kennels I looked at. Probably like eight. Okay. I mean, and I went to a couple places and I would 
go and I would, you know, I wouldn't put a deposit down, but I would say, yeah, when, whenever this, whenever this breeding takes, let me know. And I'm going to be the first guy to put a deposit down. Well, I didn't know it, but my boss was kind of like following me around. He had already (laughs) made contact with Jackie. He wasn't following me around, but he had reached out to Jackie and said, we want to buy Adam a dog. So let me know every kennel he contacts and we're gonna <laughs> and we're gonna contact. So I would contact a kennel, I'd hang up the phone and, and then she would let him know. And then she'd she'd say, Hey, you know, Major Bradley, hey, Evan, Adam contacted this uh this kennel today. So then he'd call him and say, Here's the deal, we want to get him a dog, blah, blah, blah. Well then something would fall through. Uh, yeah. either the breeding wouldn't take or I would move on to a different kennel or whatever. And then he'd have to call back and say, "Never mind," <laughs> you know, so I didn't know it. But at the time, he's he's trying to follow my footsteps and, and put it all together. After the sixth one, he's kicking himself in the ass like, oh, yeah. good Lord, just pick a dog. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> once once they finally, uh, once they finally, and and the timing of the of the litter didn't work out. Like when I left that place, they wanted to give me the dog as a going away gift, but the, the litter wasn't, it was on the ground, but it wasn't ready to go home yet. So they ended up just giving me a, a card when I left and said, open this card later. Don't, don't open it now. But when you leave, open it. We were traveling that weekend. They said, just open it on your trip. And, uh, I didn't wait till I was on the trip. I just went out to the parking lot and was like, man, what's in this card? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they had, there was a check in there and it, and in the memo line, it said GSP number two. Uh, so, I mean, that was pretty significant. I can't think of a better gift. Um, so your company bought you a dog. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They they paid for the dog. And we can't say how much the dog is because there's rules about uh, <laughs> how much you can pay for someone. So yep. we'll just say that it was within those rules. <laughs> All right. So um, they, they they paid for part of the dog. All right. Um, so then we, uh, well, to back up a little bit, we had finally settled on a, a, a breeder and everything. Uh, I reached out to Clyde Vetter with Sharpshooter Kennels, and I said, I want to get a dog. <laughs> and he said, well, I have a two-year waiting list, but I've got a guy in Pennsylvania, Virginia, New York. I've got all these different guys that are breeding. My dogs are going to be Sharpshooter dogs. Um so let me give you all their contacts. And I said, great, I'm in Virginia. Let me have that one. And the guy was uh, about 45 minutes from my house. So it, it really all came together. Uh, Ken McAdow had bred his dog, had sent her up to Clyde and had her bred. And I called him and asked him, you know, the standard questions. And he said that he was involved in NAVDA. And I thought, eh, okay. I might do the NAVDA thing. Yeah. And he said that, you know, that he would take deposits and that's what held your dog and all that. And I hung up the phone and I was like, I don't know. Do you think I should do a deposit on this one? And Jackie said, yeah, I mean, if you think it's right, go for it. And then I called right back and said. <laughs> Her and your major were like, just, yeah. just yes. pick one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, man, just do it. So I said, can we come up there tomorrow? And he said, yeah. So we, we went up and. Like I already had the check written out in my pocket. I kind of knew. <laughs> yeah. But, man, once I saw his dogs and 
and then him and his family too, right? There's a lot you can tell. It's a much different experience than my first one, going into a place and uh, just seeing seeing how his dogs were and how they behaved in the house and all that. And, uh, yeah, I, I gave him a deposit that day. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew it was right. <laughs> so you finally decided on Sharpshooter, Mitch, after named after Mitchell Hall from the company that bought, helped uh, buy them for you. Yep. You finally get Mitch home. What's the difference between Mitch and Gus? What did you learn from Gus that, that you decided to do things differently on Mitch? Was it just strictly NAVDA, or you just said, oh, I can do this myself this time? I think the biggest difference is it took two months to get him on the couch instead of two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you held out. Yeah, I held out a little bit longer before I caved. Um, now, it. I I think I had an ideal experience with my second dog. I was actually going out to NAVDA for uh, the Potomac chapter with Ken and all those guys up there for uh, probably six weeks, maybe longer, before, no, it would have been about six weeks before I even got my dog. Like his dog, Elkie, had just been bred when I went over and said, yeah, and, and put down a deposit. So I was going out every weekend to the Potomac chapter. So you're learning all this stuff before you even have the dog. Right. And I, it was to the point that I'm like, man, I cannot wait to have my dog. Cause I've got this long, I've got this big plan. Yeah. Um, and I, I just can't wait to have my dog and, and start. I mean, I'm going to NAVDA and I don't have a dog for like <laughs> six weeks. So, so I was ready for a dog. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, one of the biggest things we focused on was um, not just socializing with other people and other dogs, but but getting them used to anything you can think of. Loud noises, going on car rides, getting used to a routine. And Ken actually introduces his puppies to birds and water. So, I, I mean, I, I got my dog... And he had already been introduced to birds and water. So that helped. Um, so that I think the next thing I focused on, something that was big for me, was gun introduction. I had done it with my first dog, and I, I did a decent job. But I there was a significant moment with my first dog in the backyard, and uh, Connor was shooting a twenty two in the backyard, and, and the dog was out running around, and it kind of ran by as Connor was shooting, and I think it startled him. So he was fine with the gun if there were birds involved, but if there were no birds, if it was just a, a gunshot, like he was going to hide somewhere. So so gun introduction was, was big for me. So you focused on that one? Yeah. So we we went really slow with that, made sure it was associated to birds, and I've had I've had no issues with Mitchell with, with gunfire. And and I think it's how we've introduced it, and I think it's genetic too. He's I mean, you almost have to be careful if you start up a chainsaw because he might try to eat it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's not scared of much. So, um, so gunfire's, you know, genetically just yeah. not an issue with him. So you bring him home. You're working on gunfire. You're working on the basic obedience and all that fun stuff. Yep. When, uh, when did you decide that you're okay? It's time. Let's start doing the NA test. So I was, I try to jump the gun on a lot of stuff. I mean, 
when I got within a couple months of having the dog, I'm like, oh yeah, he can, he can pass all this stuff. <laughs> Sign him up. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I waited until I waited until March. So let's see, he was born in June. So I guess I wouldn't, I guess I took him home in August and then, uh, the next March. So he would have been like 10 months old. Okay. Not, um, not bad. Right. So that's when we did the NA test with him and, uh, Ken and those guys helped me out quite a bit with, I don't want to say training because I don't think you really have to train. You just have to not screw it up. Like if you have a, if you have a genetically sound dog that's been bred to do these things, it's like, all right, don't let the wheels fall off and, and you'll, you'll be fine. And hey, now you just expose them to it. And yeah. the NA test is, it, it's all the dog. Yeah. I mean, but let me let me qualify that statement a little bit. Like <laughs> that doesn't mean if, that every every dog out of a litter is going to go out and get the same score. Oh no, you're going to have things that just go wrong. I mean, you could have a bad day, you could have a really genetically sound dog uh, that's that's bred to do all those things, and then ha- has just had a bad experience with one thing, or decides I'm going to chase that bird down and run around the field, and I'm not coming back to you because. I know if I come back to you, you're going to take the bird. You know, some of that is a, a training thing. Yeah. But the idea is, okay, with pointing, do I need to train the dog to point? No, he's going to point. I can use a launcher and teach the dog to hold the point a little bit longer. Yeah. And then it kind of secures my, I already know that my dog should probably get a foreign pointing. It secures my, my foreign pointing because... Because he's learned that if he if he goes in on the bird, it's going to fly away. So ultimately, you you went under the NA test under pretty much the same same thought process. I take it is you really want the natural ability test to reflect the natural ability of the dog, but just kind of molding the exposure and and introduction to it to where it's kind of refined natural ability, I guess, instead of actually training for a maximum score, I guess is what I'm saying. You didn't have to go out there every weekend. It's like, Hey, we're getting a four and pointing. We're getting a four and the pheasant track or whatever. You, you still let the dog shine through on its own. Right. I mean, I think what I asked Ken one day, what else do I need to work on to get ready for natural ability? And he said, make sure the dog will come to you when you call it. <laughs> yeah. Literally, that, that was it. It's huge. Um because that could that could definitely affect cooperation. cooperation. Yeah. <laughs> so um well we had that dog just a few yeah. months ago that yep. they had to stop the entire test because oh, it, I mean, how long did it take to get that dog back? Like 30 minutes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's uh, like it it was just the cooperation. It had everything else. It was just the cooperation and that's just the handlers yeah. not teaching it, "Hey, come back when I call you." Right. Yeah, so that's a I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but that <laughs> that's an example of where that dog does have every, like you just said, it's got all the, it checks all the, all the blocks for natural ability, except cooperation. But I don't know if that's a genetic thing in that dog or if it's because the handler didn't train it to, to come to it. So, yeah. so is there some training? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, how'd Mitch do on the NA test? He ended up getting a 110. Uh, I got a, uh, three and 
Well, I shouldn't sound sad. I'm like, yeah, I was about to say, d- damn, depressed. No, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> with a 110. Uh, he got a three in tracking, um, and I, I don't know. He just bad day, poor send off. What? I th- I think I kept moving forward. You know, I kept taking a step, and the judge is like, "Stop moving! It's going to mess up your dog's <laughs> score." And I think I did it again. I don't know. Um, either way, I'm happy. Okay. So, so you got done with NA. You're happy with that. You are uh, moving on to your first hunting season with them. Yep. Describe how does that go? Well, I actually had a kind of a hunting season before the NA. So I got him in August. I think it was August. And uh, I was taking him out to the woods in October. And then Virginia has woodcock season into january as well so i ended up getting i missed a few birds over him like he would i know woodcock a lot of people say woodcock's an easy bird for a young dog because because they hold and it's true that they will hold they won't run like grouse and pheasants but they're difficult any bird's difficult for like a four-month-old dog so (laughs) so i was taking my my four month old dog out and, uh, and hunting with him quite a bit. Cause I know that that's a, a great way to, to get experience for your dog is to take him out and get him on wild birds. So yep. there were times where he would point, I would go kick up all around him and nothing would fly up. And I'm like, all right, well he's pointing some old scent and I had had him on pin raised birds. So I, I knew that I knew that he was, would point birds. Um, and then the times there were like, maybe three or four times where he actually pointed a bird and then I would miss it. Mm. So I'm like, man, I've got to shoot a wild <laughs> bird over this dog. So, uh, one day I was out with my boss, the guy that kind of orchestrated me getting this dog, you know, the guy that was working behind the scenes with Jackie. And, uh, we had, we had been hunting for probably two hours. So we were, we were near the end of our hunt with a young dog like that, or really any dog for that matter. And Mitchell went on point and, uh, we kicked around. I mean, I bet for 15 seconds we kicked around and then we kind of looked at each other and we're like, yeah, must be old scent. And sure enough, a woodcock flew up and he swung on that bird and just pillowed that thing. <laughs> and he kind of looked at me, like shocked because he knew I hadn't killed a wild bird over my dog yet. And I like, I almost tackled him in the middle of the woods. I'm like, <laughs> man, this couldn't have been any better. Like you got this dog for me, you know, you set all this up and you're the first one to kill a wild bird over this dog. This is perfect. So <laughs> that was like the, the icing on the cake, uh, for that first season. So all comes full circle. Everything happens for a reason. Yep. Yep. I think that's about it. I think, you know, we got we got down deep and dirty and figured out who Adam was tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah, you almost got a tear out of me. Almost. You know, we were pushing. Joe Joe's over here still using a box of Kleenex from the <laughs> Gus story. But uh Yep. Yeah, we you know, we just wanted to get you on and uh you've been on a couple times and just let everybody know more about you and and you're just like all of us, just a regular guy training his dog yep. and you, you know, you started out with, uh, 
doing what everybody else does. Just, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, just YouTube. And you know what? I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Let's go get a trainer. And then now it's you're doing it yourself and learning a lot more of it and a lot of plans to come. So you're just just like us. And everybody's out there. Everybody starts in the same place. They don't know where to go. And I think this is a great example. I think uh, everybody has a similar story. You know, details are a little different. And uh, But I always love talking about this type of stuff. Yeah. And uh, you're doing it yourself, but you, you also got to have a group of people that you can get help from. Bounce ideas off of. Yeah, it's and it's good to have, you know, like we have Norm down here that, that kind of keeps us on track. And uh, and I call Ken all the time, and and he tells me if I'm doing right or wrong. I mean, he's very quick to say, no, you shouldn't do that. So yeah. um, that's really what we need. So we say we're doing it ourselves, but but we still need, we need help. But the idea is, yeah, you don't need a professional trainer to do this. No. You can do this yourself. Yep. And that's that's what we're trying to do here. We're not experts, but we're learning from Norm and Ken and the, and these other guys through NAVDA and the guys that we hunt with, and they're taking under you know taking us under their wings. And so we're just trying yeah. to put stuff out there that we wish we would have known before you you know you got a dog that was out in the storm all night at six weeks old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.